This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The true you exists beyond the story because your story has been created from everything that the little you believes. Valeria Tellez interviews Nicole Bayless, the author of A Shift to Bliss, The Seven Beliefs That Limit Love, Happiness, Peace, and Prosperity. Nicole Bayless is a spiritual healer and teacher. Through experiencing her own life challenges many years ago, she experienced an awakening that entirely changed her life. Through meditation, prayer, and study, Nicole began to receive truths and was shown we are all here to align to our soul and to live a life of joy, purpose, and abundance. In order to do this, however, we must be cleared of the old programming conditioning, wounding, and self-limiting beliefs that prevent us from knowing who we really are. Nicole is a trained forensic energy healer, transpersonal counselor, and life path guide. The content of Nicole's work is channeled. She has written three books, A Shift to Bliss, Five Steps to Finding Love, and Soul Magic. Her current online courses are available from her website, and she offers free live events on her Facebook group, Path of Light. Nicole's mission is to share what she has learned and assist others on their journey to awakening. Meet Nicole at nicolebayless.com.au. Here is the interview with Nicole Bayless. In your own words, who is Nicole Bayless? You know, I've heard you ask that question to many people. And I thought, (laughs) what would I answer? Of course, I'm many things like everyone else out there. We all play different roles. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm a human being, really. But at the end of the day, I'm just a very curious person. So I'm very curious about the unseen, about... um, whether we call it universe, God, or this divine intelligence and how it works. That is that is my biggest curiosity. I love that kind of curiosity. Yeah, I always had that curiosity too and still do. And I often ask the question, I'm not sure if you heard that, about spirituality. What is spirituality to you? Or what is to be spiritual? Um, what is to be spiritual is to believe in something greater than what we can see, feel, or know with our five senses. 
knowing that there is a greater, whether we call this a matrix of energy, whether we call it God, universe, uh, but it's something greater than us that is always present and has a divine intelligence. When you say divine intelligence, would that for some people might mean God? Absolutely. Yes, I think for many people we call it God. And whatever religion uh, calls it God as well, I, I still think we're all connecting with the same thing. And uh, I think a lot of people have been turned off the word God because they felt betrayed by some religious institutions. And so it seems to be a bit more trendy these days to call it universe or source or whatever that is. But really, it's all the same thing in my belief. So you wrote the book, A Shift to Bliss, The Seven Beliefs That Limit Love, Happiness, Peace and Prosperity. So you say in your book, you write, whatever you believe, you create. So my question is, how are beliefs different from values? And also, is it possible to live, to navigate this reality without a belief system? Okay. So beliefs and values are interconnected, but they're not the same thing. Beliefs are something that it's like a statement. That's what I, I, I use statements in my book, such as, some of us believe love hurts uh, because we've been hurt by love. And so when we've been hurt by love, we start to believe that love hurts. And so then we can recreate love hurting. So that's quite different to values. Values are the things that are truly important to us, um, that, that matter to us, that give our life meaning. They are too, they, they very much the, the beliefs will tie in with values but they are two different things. What would be an example, Nicole, of values? So values would be um, the things that really matter to us, that, we're, that, that we live by, such as one value that's very important to me is freedom, yeah. to, to, ha- to be free to choose what you want. Uh, that's a value. Another value may be for someone adventure, people who love to travel. They, they need to get out and about. Another value could be family. Family is extremely important to, to many people. But we, we all have different values. And some of these values, a lot of people live life not necessarily understanding what their values are. And I think when you get clear on your values – and know what they are, it's, it becomes very easy to make choices. I'm wondering how values or even beliefs relate to purpose or passion. Okay. Very much they relate to purpose. And, you know, one of the biggest, I call these um, self-limiting beliefs in a shift to bliss, I call them lies. Right. And one of the lies that is very prevalent out there around purpose is that we're not allowed to do what we want or that to, to do what you love, um, you won't be provided for. You won't be able to make enough money. That's often, that's a very common belief that if that I've, if I do what I want, I'm not going to make enough money. I need to get 
a job that's that will provide enough money for me, even if I don't like it. That and most of the world is still living by that belief. Fear might be the reason then that we do things that we don't like because we are afraid of not providing for ourselves. Would that be the case? Definitely. Because um, in A Shift to Bliss, I, I talk about the ego self. The ego self is the self that believes in lack and limitation, that believes there's never enough, and it's a very fearful self. And then there's the true self, which is um, always present in every moment. Um, it, it knows that every moment is perfect. It knows that um, the true self knows that it is here for a reason it is loved by God or universe and it will always be provided for. And so these self-limiting beliefs or lies, as I call them, um, are always of the vibration of fear. And when we um, then restore the belief to, to the true self's belief of it will always be in the vibration of love. And it will always give one a sense of relief and uh, peace. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? Why we are we here? Okay. The purpose of the human experience. I believe that we are here to connect with our true self and that we, are, we all come in with past karma and we then and and that will be in the form we'll already be be believing certain things and of course then we grow up in families and we take on their beliefs and we experience certain situations and traumas that then give us more limiting beliefs and our purpose is to transcend those beliefs so um it's life is a spiritual journey in which uh, we um, we are on a journey to awakening and to knowing our true self and to know that as essentially we are love and that when we do make this transition, we literally experience a shift to bliss. We experience uh, a parallel universe. We're either only ever in the universe of fear or the universe of love. And they are two totally different places. If we don't get there in this lifetime, does it mean that we will come back again and go through all the suffering, all the necessary and unnecessary suffering to learn that? I believe we do. And every lifetime is perfect. We're all journeying towards enlightenment, but most of us will not reach, reach enlightenment this lifetime. Yeah. Um, so it's, and we are all simply where, where we are at and it's all perfect. And whatever experiences or challenges we are having in this present moment are there for our highest good. They're there for our growth and um, to, to wherever you're experiencing a challenge, uh, there will be a limiting uh, belief underneath that challenge that needs to be changed, essentially. So my question is about enlightenment. What is enlightenment and how do we know and if we are able to know when we get there? Enlightenment, would that be a destination in a way, Nicole? I think 
It's a very ab- abstract concept for most of us, and I guess I can't even answer that question, what it would be like to, to know whether you're reaching enlightenment because I'm not yeah. there either. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's all we know, all we can do, it's one step at a time on this spiritual journey. So it's just, you know, it, being conscious in every moment, am I making a choice out of fear or love? Am I in the vibration of fear or love? And knowing that every time you make a loving choice, every time you choose love, life does get better and better. And so it's more of a, a process. It's a journey. And there are going to be times when we're feeling very uh, full of love and uh, full of light and, and things are going really well. And there are going to be times when we slip back into unconsciousness back into fear because we've all got these beliefs and this programming that we're trying to transcend. And so sometimes it's it's like two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back, you know, and, and eventually I believe we get there. But strangely enough, I, I don't really make my goal in this lifetime enlightenment because it's such an abstract idea. I make, for me, it's to be in the vibration of love and to be present. And when we're truly present, we know we, when we're present, we are able to have spaciousness of mind to ask ourselves, am I in fear or love in this present moment? Being aware, right? That sounds really wonderful to me. Being in the moment, but in love. Yeah. And can I just say, that's it's not always easy either. If you're in fear or you're experiencing emotional pain, yeah. it's simply observing it. And so this is, I think I say at the beginning of Shift to Bliss, this is not a book about positive thinking yeah. because yeah. That, that only goes so far. And we all have pain. And we are meant to feel our pain. Every every feeling wants to be acknowledged, and by feeling whatever feeling we have in that in the present moment, um, it will eventually pass through us, as it says in the Bible. This too shall pass. By allowing our pain to be there, it will dissipate, and joy will come back. What is your understanding and idea of what inner peace is? Gosh, inner peace. Inner peace comes when we are, are feeling a sense of connection to the universe. So when we're connected, we will feel peaceful. When we're disconnected, we won't be feeling peaceful. And again, that's probably quite an abstract answer. <laughs> but also, uh, when you know, when we're believing loving beliefs when we're thinking loving thoughts we will be at peace it's the fearful thinking the fearful beliefs that keep us in turmoil and in a conflict so in a way it's easy to know when we are out of that space of inner peace or some say the center of balance when there's fear so it's easy to know it sounds simple to me it sounds simple, but of course, you know, we know that not all of this is simple. Right. And, <laughs> and and when you're not in a peaceful state, I would I would tell anyone, sit with being not in a peaceful state. Don't don't try and make yourself 
get into a peaceful state necessarily. Sometimes you've just got to sit with it um, until things just calm down because sometimes it just creates more battle by because you're fighting against the, the, the lack of peace. <laughs> How did you become a writer? I began writing because I was already doing, I, I do energy healing, counseling, coaching with people. And I found that I was getting a lot of clients and with very similar problems. And I found myself giving them the same message over and over again. I thought, gee, if there seems to be certain things that are coming to me, re I realized there was sort of these universal challenges, that similar challenges that were, people were going through. And I thought, well, my, maybe it might be a good idea to write a book on this because if all these people I'm seeing are going through the same thing, there must be many people out there going through the same thing. And I based the book on the work I was doing with people that I found was having a profound effect. And so I thought, why not just put it all in a book and then people can access that in a very easy way. And when I started writing, the first book I wrote actually was a book called Five Steps to Finding Love, which was based on a lot of, I seem to have many single women coming to me wanting to find love, but feeling that they'd never find it. And that was the first book because, again, same thing over and over again I kept getting. Uh, and when I, it, it's interesting when you begin to write, this is what I have found, when I had the intention the book just flowed out of me. Mm, right. That that's what I find with writing. When I when it just kind of drops in. I just I know when I need to write that book, and then then the rest just flows. Would you say that we are accessing intuition? This is coming from that spiritual place that we talked earlier. Absolutely. Yes, I do. I believe many books. I think are channeled, and. Um, Always before I write, I connect in with the divine intelligence. I ask for help. Um, and, and the interesting thing is, and I don't know whether you've experienced this too, Valeria, is sometimes when I'm writing, these truths drop in I didn't even know before. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. And I think, oh, thank you for that. That's quite a realization then. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a difference, right, Nicole, between channeling and intuition, access intuition. Is there a difference, actually? Or not really. I think I think the only difference I'd say between intuition and channeling is that intuition just drops in randomly. Um, I think channeling is more of a uh, more deliberate uh, intention. Mm. You actually yeah. make the intention in that moment that that you want the intuition to come through you for a particular purpose. Does that make sense? It does, yeah, very much yeah. does. Although I, I know very little about channeling because I've never done that before. But intuition, yes, it seems like I have accessed quite often. Talk to me for a moment about your spiritual journey and how you became a spiritual healer. Do you know, if you'd asked me that question maybe 12, 13 years ago, I would have laughed because my life was totally different. And I didn't even know I was going, I was here to do what I do. And so my, I, I've always been interested in spirituality, even from the time I was a child. I loved even going to church, although I did question certain things at the church. But um, I, 
spirituality has always been a big part of my life. And it wasn't until I, I actually had a midlife crisis when I was 45. And it was, but it was also, it, it was, it was a massive awakening. And through, when, after I did that, I, I started, I, I'd been studying counseling and a number of different modalities. And, and then I just, I was basically shown. It, it took a few years. I was, I had a, quite a few years of t- turmoil. And, and this is the thing that people don't tell you. Transformation is painful. It wasn't easy. It I was facing myself, facing my wounded child, facing my shadow, which is all these unclaimed parts of myself. I'd just live, been living a life I had realized that was there to please everybody else. I'd basically lost myself. And at 45, it culminated in a crisis. And from that um, and the pain that followed, um, I, I I just became very deeply spiritually connected and I realized without sounding cliche I realized who I really was and it it was it wasn't any of the roles I was playing and it certainly wasn't who everybody else wanted me to be or thought I should be. I love that (laughs) that you found your way (laughs) to claiming or uncovering who you really are. It's always a beautiful moment, isn't it? It's not really a moment. Sometimes it happens in the moment, but yeah, it takes that transformation journey and it is painful. I agree. Yes. And and usually transformation involves hitting, at times, hitting rock bottom, just feeling like you haven't even got any hope left. You just spoke about the shadow. It, I do have a question for you about that before we talk about the um, the beliefs you have, the limiting beliefs you have in your book. You have seven of them. You call them lies. So I know you spoke about some of them, but um, we can talk about two or three others. But before that, the shadow, what do we do with that? Do we integrate the shadow? Do we try yes, to replace yes. it or remove it? <laughs> Okay, so it was the the psychotherapist Carl Jung who named the shadow the shadow. So the shadow is the unclaimed parts of ourselves, the repressed parts of ourselves, or even parts of ourselves we are in denial of, we can't even see. And um, by bringing those parts of self out into the light and reclaiming them, making them part of us, then we become whole. Uh, I think it was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who said, there's a little bit of Hitler in all of us. We need to um, own the parts of us that we don't necessarily like, such as the parts of us that can be jealous. Often people feel ashamed about that or the part of us that can feel greedy or angry. Women in particular, I think a lot of women, Mm. we repress our anger. You know, nice girls don't get angry. Uh, but of course, we've all got a bit of everything in us. And when we can own those parts of ourselves, they no longer control us. But you know what? When they are repressed, they actually control us. And and they actually create uh, a lot of the unwanted stuff in our lives. In your book, you say something very interesting. You say, not only is there no reason to blame others, there is no reason to blame ourselves. Um, talk to me for a moment, Nicole, about self-love. 
I say the practice of unconditional self-love. Do you think yes. this is something that is uh, actually realistic to think that way? I think the journey to self-love is is a struggle for many people um, because, again, we haven't, first of all, we were never shown uh, self-love, most of us. It wasn't a value most of our parents uh, grew up with. So if parents... If your parents didn't love themselves, they, they they couldn't show you how to love yourself. It's not even a value, I think, that people have grown up with. It's only in this generation, I think, we're really talking about it. And I think probably the first person who really talked about it in a mass on a mass level was Louise Hay, and who who I think is just an amazing was an amazing human being. Um, but self love, I think, we are all programmed to with to self-blame and self-criticize. And, uh, of course, these these things come from the ego. Blame is basically saying, you know, I'm, I'm wrong or I've done something wrong. There's something wrong with me, whether it's self-blame or blame of others, and that's from the ego. There's a big difference between self-blame and taking responsibility for your life. Right. Right. And many people struggle with that one, uh, that they think that somehow they're to blame taking responsibility is saying I don't know why or how I'm I'm creating certain challenges in my life but I'm willing to own it and explore what part of me has created it and of course it's all happening on the unconscious or subconscious level so of course we haven't deliberately created it but for some people who are still very much in their ego they will if they're looking if they're taking on that information through the lens of self-blame as opposed to responsibility they'll find it you know this is the one we really got to get let go of this self-blaming part of ourselves and realizing that we've all come here for a reason and we're all trying to transcend karma by doing the work of self-love and not blaming ourselves we ended up passing that on expanding that understanding and not blaming others right that's right. The more the more we truly love ourselves, the more we are able to love others. We can only we can only love others as much as we love ourselves. Uh, so if we're self blamers, we're likely to blame other people as well. If we're highly self critical, we'll be critical of others. And I, I like to call self love self compassion because that's what it really is. It's it's kindness towards yourself and letting go of that need to be perfect. None of us are. Perfectionism, yeah, that's another. It comes from fear, doesn't it, Nicole? It has to do with fear too. Yeah, fear and the belief that somehow we are not enough. So talk to me about some of the uh, limiting beliefs. This is the number three, I'm not enough. You just talked about one of yeah. them. But you can expand yes. on that, of course. In love hurts, number five. But yeah, please talk to me about any of these beliefs or expand on them. Okay, well, why don't we begin with I am not enough because on some level all of us believe this. We have no idea who, how magnificent we really are. Uh, the truth is in every moment we are enough, even with all our wounds and all our imperfections. Um, so I say in the book, you are so much more than you think you are. Every relationship and situation in your life is reflecting back to you what you believe about yourself. And I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt, who said, no one can make you feel not good enough without your approval. So 
you know, we if we have, to whatever extent we have this belief, we will be creating situations that are reflecting that back to us. So if you're in situations where people around you are making you feel not good enough, just realize that that's got to be going on within you. From that belief comes come many other beliefs such as I'm not worthy or deserving, I'm not important, I'm not lovable, I'm alone and unsupported. And then there's many, it's like an um, that, that's the umbrella belief, I'm not enough. But from that come many, many limiting beliefs about ourselves. Let me ask you a question about the line number one that you mentioned is, I will be happy when, da, 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 when something happens. Yeah. And so yeah. what are the greatest misconceptions about happiness that you know of? I think, I think in our Western world, we're too attached to the idea of happiness and that, uh, you know, we have to be happy in order to be happy. <laughs> uh, that's funny yes. and true. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> also that, that the belief I'll be happy when, it's that belief that we have to have certain circumstances uh, in order to be happy, that unless we have these things or this turns out or that turns out, I can't be happy. Uh, the truth is we actually can be happy independent of circumstances because it doesn't if if we're trying to find happiness from outside it'll always it will always be fleeting because because circumstances are constantly changing and it was it was Viktor Frankl who said the last of human freedoms the ability to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances and he was a holocaust survivor he talks about his experiences in Auschwitz and if he can do it, so can we. So what I say in the book is true and lasting happiness doesn't come from a desired outcome. If you're relying on an outcome for your happiness, it will be short-lived. True, hap- true happiness can only be found from within, and it follows that this inner fulfillment will create your outer fulfillment. And, and the ways I suggest to people to, to find their inner happiness is, number one, learn to be present. And I've, I have found that the best way is through meditation, to, to start some kind of meditation practice. But for some people, they find it hard to sit still. Sometimes yoga or just spending time in nature, um, observing things, that, that can really help as well. And through meditation, you you learn to watch and examine your thoughts. A spaciousness comes in where you can become the observer of your thoughts and then you can start becoming more aware of your expectations and the should. So the should mind is the, the mind that tells you that things should be that way or this should be or this should be, as opposed to the way things are. Uh, the other two things I would say in order to find happiness within is become aware of comparing yourself to others or your life to others. It's one of the biggest uh, thieves of happiness and you know we're all here on a unique journey and comparing your life with someone else is totally pointless because we'll all come with 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 different challenges with different things we're meant to learn and experience we are really unique souls and the other thing I would say is practice gratitude practice gratitude every day because by default we fall into the vibration of lack that's how we're programmed and so if if by by practicing gratitude every day you are uh, correcting that 
and and putting yourself back into noticing what you do have, not what you don't. Those are wonderful practices, though. I'm wondering if we can apply the same practices to to reverse that uh, belief that we are not enough. Do you have some more yeah, suggestions, Nicole, or those apply? Yes, absolutely. So again, the more you have spaciousness of mind, and this is why I begin the book with a very simple meditation practice that I recommend, that the more you have a spaciousness of mind, the more able you are to observe what's really happening in you in the present moment. So it's becoming aware of... Um, so if, if, if you notice in any present moment when you feel like you're not enough and just observing that and noticing that and then you can simply remind yourself in the present moment that this is just old stuff I'm believing and you simply can say to yourself, in this moment I am enough. It's as simple as that and I also give affirmations in every chapter, in every yeah, in every chapter of the book where there's beliefs of basically to correct the old belief. So you can say those affirmations every day, but also bring that affirmation into the present moment when you, because that's that's where the real power is when you're feeling the not enoughness, reminding yourself in that present moment, I'm just experiencing an old belief that's programmed into me. And I'm reminding myself right now, in this moment, I am enough. And you know, you could even you could even adjust your posture with that. You know, as you you say to yourself, "I am enough." Okay, if I'm enough, how do I sit? You know, people. You often find people suddenly they straighten up. They, you know, they they, they open up more. Um, they breathe more easily. You said something very interesting and powerful. You say, "Self awareness is the bridge between the ego mind and the true self." I'm so glad you found that 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 line in the book because and I think that that actually that was channeled to me okay. <laughs> um, because yes, it is without awareness, we cannot transform right um, and that is why whether it's meditation or whatever, I suggest a number of different ways to be able to become more present because in presence we become aware mm. and without as I say without awareness, we cannot. Uh, we don't we don't have that window of opportunity to notice what's going on in us so that we can change it. I'm very much aware about love and choosing love, but sometimes just um, I can't do it. Yes. And this, yeah, Valeria, this is where self-compassion has to come back into it because, um, as I said before, that, that we we are we will be in love sometimes and then we will just we will default back into yeah, fear right, because right. we have deep deep programming wow. and it's that's why i say life is a spiritual journey we're not going to fix something you know believing i am not enough to i am enough <laughs> immediately yeah, right. it, you know it may it, right. <laughs> it's this is this could be a journey of a lifetime but that is that is the journey and, you know, with every time, with, with awareness and spaciousness and the ability to, to notice something and, and flip it around, you know, life just gets better and better and it does improve. And even though, yes, we, we revert back to fear over and over again, every time we, we keep choosing love, love just becomes stronger and stronger. So that is 
really the, the true practice. Just keep choosing love regardless. Right? Yes. And when and when you and when you fall into fear, practice self-compassion. We're all doing the best we can. I love the um, at the end of your book, you have the seven daily principles and you outline them. Live true to self. You don't say yourself, but you say to self. Live, live in peace, live honestly, love the one. I love all of them. Uh, live oh, in acceptance. You. I love all of them. Gratitude, you mentioned earlier. So I love your work. Thank you. Thank so you. before I ask you the final questions, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Okay. I'd just like to, to perhaps read... Um, Another passage in my book, which is uh, a belief around there is not enough. So not only do we believe we are not enough, but uh, the ego mind will constantly default into there is not enough time. Mm. Right. Right. Um, such So the truth is in every moment there is enough and there is always enough of everything if we choose to believe it is so. So, you know, how many times do we tell ourselves, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough love? Um, I'm not successful enough, I'm not attractive enough, I'm not slim enough. Uh, the ego mind is constantly feeding us these thoughts based on that belief, there is not enough. But true prosperity is not a place where you finally arrive. It is an ongoing process of following your bliss and truly knowing that you are supported by a loving universe that wants to provide the means through which to do it. Yeah, and so abundance is in constant flow and by abundance i don't just mean money and things i mean time i mean love connection and everything else we need to live our best life i'm just reminded of something that i was i think i read it perhaps in a date calendar years ago and it was a quote that said you will never have enough money to do all the things you don't need to do yeah. and you will never have enough time to do all the all the things you don't need to do. And so really when you get into the essential of life, you know, of, of what you're here to do and to do it with love, you will always have enough time to do it. You will always have enough money to support you in doing it. Yes. So three more questions for you, the ending questions. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? For me, uh, success is to feel that life has meaning and to, to be able to do what I love, to have the freedom to choose to do what I love and to to be well, to have loving relationships um, and, you know, to have enough in order to, to do what I want to do. That to me is the true meaning of success and, you know, that life is balanced and we need to balance if we're trying to, to just focus on career or just focus on money, or just even focus on relationships, life will get out of balance. And so I think we need to focus on 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 everything, and and remind ourselves, um, you know, of where we are successful in our lives. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? I can honestly say no. Yeah, I love <laughs> Although, that. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that is, that, that's a very profound question, Valeria, because uh, if, if we did live our life uh, based on I'm going to die tomorrow, I think a lot of us would change a lot of things, wouldn't we? We realize what's truly essential. 
And I think during my awakening in my my transformational years, that I aligned to those the, those things that really mattered to me. And so if I was to pop my clogs tomorrow, I would know that all was well. My last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Oh, boy. Now, that's a hard question. I didn't expect that one. Um, okay, three things I know about life for sure. Okay, number one, life is a journey and that's all it is. Um, life is a series of forgiveness we need to forgive every moment that doesn't go our way. We need to forgive others. We need to forgive ourselves. And all forgiveness is is letting go of resentment and realigning to love. Number three, give me a minute to think about this. You can edit. You can edit this bit out, can't you? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Good. Okay. Um, number three, um, life is always offering you a choice mm-hmm. to be in love or be in fear. Mm. Thank you so much, Nicole. Wow. Thank you, Valeria. It's been it's been such a privilege to chat with you today. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay, you can find my books. Uh, you can either go to my website www.nicolevelis.com.au. You can find my books on most uh, ebook and book platforms. And uh, what else? No, that'd be about it. Yeah, that's where you can find my books. I'll have those links too on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Valeria. It's been a pleasure. Bye for now, Nicole. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Nicole Bayliss and her work, please visit nicolebayliss.com.au. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.